Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Week 7 preview show. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and we got a fantastic show lined up for you today. And I'll tell you what, before we get to that, let's take a look at how we did last week. And it was a little tough there. I'll say this, though. Tom Fernelli even come through on the Kansas push. My man is just – they literally need to have him in the locker room before games. I'm telling you, I think that it would be best for all parties involved. Chip Patterson coming through on the TCU Kansas over 67.5 in North Carolina, Miami under. Well done on that. All right, let's bring in the stars of the show. And, gentlemen, let me say this. As a show, through week six, as we sit right now, you guys are 46 and 42 against the spread, 52.2%. It's okay, but I'll say this. It's not bad. <laughs> like, it's not bad. There are a lot of places at shows that are doing way worse than sitting 52, almost 53%. So good job on that one. First up, my man, Chip Patterson. How are we doing, sir? I mean, it, it was really, really tough to write off the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, just to say you're done. You know, you're clearly not elite. You're clearly nowhere close to the top of college football because to allow that Auburn offense to reach double digits is preposterous and a sign that you don't have the killer instinct you need to be able to win the national championship again. I mean, that thing was in the books. We were at 35 to three. We were cruising. And to make matters worse, it was a pass play. Yeah. It was an Auburn passing touchdown to take us to 10. I look it, across the board, not the best week, but, Clearly, Georgia's not a lead if you're going to let Auburn get to double digits. Dude, I was watching that, and I was like, come on, come on. Like, Because you're right, had it. Like, everything that you said broke down the way the game would go out to a T. And then, of course, that happens. Jake Fender, my man, how we doing, sir? We're good. It's been a rough couple of weeks in a row, but I like where my <laughs> picks are at, you know? Uh, same thing will happen with Auburn happened with in the Ole Miss game. Ole Miss had Vanderbilt shut out in the second half. They scored a garbage time touchdown. Then let's talk about the Buffalo game. That was just brutal because in our, we calculate scoring expectancies and we had that game based on the yardage, the turnovers totaling 65 points. And the game should have been over by halftime. And then they just gave up. So that was rough. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I stand by my plays tough. Oh, six, Week two weeks, um, but let's bounce back, uh, dude. The model's been good on some aspects, pretty rough on the other aspects. But in terms of player props, we are plus three units on the year. 
we're plus six units on the year. And in terms of team totals, we're plus six units. So around t- plus 10 units combined. Yeah, there you go. Look, and look, I, I'm just, I, I'm giving you mess. Like it's, it's just kind of fun. Like this is a season long thing. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're good. Michael Roberts. Pleasure to see you, sir. And I know I say this every time, yeah. but it's because I look at it every time. It's literally perfect behind you. Every single time that I see you on all of the shows that we do, it's just glorious out there. So how are everybody doing? All right. Yeah, It's spring training weather. It's amazing right now. It's uh, not too hot. It's not too cold. No wind. It's pretty much perfect. So I'm enjoying that as much. Great to be back with you guys. And, you know, it's been tough, um, you know, sledging here the first couple of weeks. And I'll talk more about the numbers, but you don't alter too much. You have to trust the process. I've heard that somewhere. Trust (laughs) the process. And the process is a machine that works year to year and you use the same process. You just throw a little, uh, you know, adjustments here and there and tinker with it. But yes, I totally agree. Trust the process. Don't alleviate, go away too far, uh, too low from the actual process. The process is a centerverse. I love it, man. The process is the centerverse. That's fantastic. Ty Farnelli, my man. Look at Sharp, buddy. How are we doing? Uh, we have been adjusting the process a little bit. <laughs> what we saw last week, uh, you know, I, I think the losing that under in Pitt, Virginia Tech, I don't put anything into that because the total was 41 and a half and Pitt went over that on its own. That was just an outlier performance. But we have made some necessary adjustments to our rating of an Army team that is uh, looking to be quite bad. And I think we've put a little too much stock in recent years and we've got to got to reevaluate and just look at what the Army team is this year. Yeah, it's a good point, man. It's a good point. All right, let's get to the storylines that affect the betting lines for this week's games. And I tell you what, Tom, I'm going to start with you and Chip, your tag team partner here. I want you to jump in. I want you to tag in when Tom gets done because both of your storylines, exactly, both of your storylines are on injuries, specifically at the quarterback position of what we're seeing across college football. So, yeah, Tom, start it up. Tag in Chip when you're done. Yeah, they're everywhere. Like every single team in the world seems to have a backup quarterback playing this weekend. One of the bigger games of the week, Tennessee, Alabama. One of the more exciting games, one of the games that we're all going to be getting into, but we don't 100% know what the status of Bryce Young will be. Kansas, we don't know. You know, Jalen Daniels is likely out. You just look all around. NC State, Devin Leary got hurt last week and was knocked out. Illinois, a team that's off to a 5-1 start. Tommy DeVito is probably going to be out this week, and Art Sitkowski is going to be stepping in for a very big game in the Big Ten West against Minnesota. So if you are betting this weekend, one of the things you really have to pay attention to is which teams are banged up at QB and what their backups are like. Because we saw last week, once Jalen Daniels went out in that Kansas game against TCU, Jason Bean comes in, and in the second half, he throws for 260 yards and four touchdowns. Not exactly a drop-off, but you go to like Illinois, from Tommy DeVito to Art Sitkowski, very drastic drop-off in the quality of play from the quarterback position at that point. So it's just going to make things a little more difficult this week, and it's something you need to keep your eye on and need to be paying attention to. Yeah, and then let's see, NC State goes to Jack Chambers, attorney at law. They have one pass attempt, and I think it goes for (laughs) negative six yards. Um, There are some situations where the entire offense has to be redone, and that was the one thing I wanted to get on. I think that he named all the ones I had written down. Bryce Young, Devin Leary, Jalen Daniels, Will Levis, K.J. Jefferson, Dylan Gabriel, Tommy DeVito. It it is widespread all across some of the major college football, and you want to know what the back 
backup situation looks like, and you want to make sure you put that into your handicapping so that you don't find yourself caught in a bad position on Saturday. There we go. And shout out to my man, Tommy DeVito, because I mean, he's going to be in Scorsese movies whenever, you know, his career ends. So just an awesome name. I love it. All right, Micah, coming over to you, my man. All right. Against the spread over under trends through six weeks of college football. What do you see? Yeah. First, I want to add to Chip's list. Uh, Glenn Brumfield from UNLV got banged up last week too. So we don't know the backup is, uh, not as good as shown by the loss. Uh, the numbers over six weeks so far, we've got straight up home teams, 304 and 130. That's 70% win clip. Pretty impressive there, but hard to lay money line. When you throw in the point spread, the ultimate equalizer, 218 to 207 and 8, 51%. Right there, pretty much right there, like most of us are, like I am on the season. Uh, away favorites, 53 and 52 and 4. That is 50.5%. Home favorites, 166 and 155 and for 51.7%. That's a big winner, not really. And we've got some of the favorites, uh, three teams, only three teams have covered all their games or not uh, have not failed to kid. James Madison, 5 and 0 ATS. Kansas, 5 0 and 1 ATS. TCU, 4 0 and 1 ATS. And Colorado, 0 and 5 ATS. And Fresno State, 0 and 5 ATS. So, couple teams uh, high and low, but pretty much everybody in the middle of the, um, you know, crossover line in betting this season, 49, 50%, pretty much across the board. There we go. There we go. All right. Fat show coming over to you, buddy. Road underdogs. You're seeing some value there in the sports side advanced model, man. Break it down. Yeah, and a lot of the bigger games, too, that I'll discuss later, we have value on the road underdogs in NC State Syracuse. We like NC State's value, but like like they talked about earlier, we have no idea what's going on with any of these QBs. So my job is kind of scouting all, all the injuries, trying to see what to adjust. It's, it's hard. It's hard because in the NFL, you get injury reports. College, you don't know. There could be a player warming up. Dylan Gabriel had his helmet on, didn't go in. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's, it's a guessing game. Dude, let me say this. I have been praying that college football would institute like injury reports through the week, inactives on game day. I get that they're not going to do it, but it would be nice. Yeah, it'd be real nice to see. Make it. our jobs easier. Oh, my goodness, dude. It would make everything so easier. All right, let's get into our picks, best bets for this week. All right, and Chip, I'll tell you what, man, coming up to you, this game was close to being one of our big six that we break down at the end. Just didn't make it. However, I am fascinated to see it. We got Mississippi State, a six and a half point favorite at Kentucky. You like Mississippi State here, man. Bring it up. Yeah, we got ourselves a fraud stomping on our hands at the big checkout line at Kroger Field. This is not a good Kentucky team. You know, in the CBS Sports 131, we dropped the Wildcats all the way to outside the top 30. You know, they are hanging on uh, in the AP top 25, but I don't think they're one of the 25 best teams in the country. Clearly, we have a you know question mark around Will Levis, but what we don't have a question mark about is the fact that two of the top wide receivers for Kentucky are going to be out, that the Kentucky offensive line has not looked as dominant as we have sort of applied to our understanding of the modern uh, Kentucky power. And I just think that that Mississippi State defensive front is going to play well. And I think that Mississippi State offensively is, is going to be able to move the ball. You know, if this number has anything to do with Will Levis's availability. Maybe they've got a little hedge number in there. We're under a touchdown. 
I think there's a lot of value there. So let's go ahead and snap that up because if Will Levis looks at who's not playing and is like, ah, you know, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go, then we'll probably see this thing jump north of a touchdown. So this is actually one where I would say uh, I not only like it, but I like it even more right now. Yeah, and it's fascinating, man, of like where Kentucky has gone. And like two, I feel like in two weeks we've just we're out, we're done, and. It's nuts, man. We'll see. Well, but, what's yeah, the I, good win? Like, what is the evidence yeah. that Kentucky is one of the better teams in the country? Like, I just, I think, that, yeah, I mean, we're applying a lot of our preseason expectations and we're assigning way too much value to the win against Florida. Mm-hmm. Missed. Like, what's the best game. win? That was Anthony Richardson throwing that game away with threw it right to the defend, defender. That, that was more saying th- the bad things about the Gators than saying good things about Kentucky in that game. Good point. Good point. All right, next play, which I think is going to be a popular play on this show. Tom Fernelli, coming over to you, my man. Uh, Minnesota at Illinois. You like the under 39 and a half here. Bring it up. Yeah, remember last week when the total on Illinois-Iowa was, I think it was 36 and a half, 37 and a half, and it never even came close as Illinois outlasted the Hawkeyes in a thriller to win nine to six. I don't think this week's game is going to be that much different. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the line I will probably, we don't know for sure, but based on what I've seen, they're going to be without Tommy DeVito at quarterback, which means Art Sitkowski will be stepping in, and Art Sitkowski is not nearly as effective in this Illinois offense as Tommy DeVito is, nor will he be helped by the fact that one of Illinois' top playmakers at the receiver position, Isaiah Williams, could very likely be missing the game himself. So, Illinois will be leaning on the run game even more so than usual this weekend. And Minnesota, last time we saw them, they were without Mo Ibrahim, their star running back. I expect him to play this week, but he'll be going up against an Illinois defense that hasn't allowed anybody to run the ball at all against them all season. They held Braylon Allen to two yards a couple weeks ago, you know, Wisconsin's top running back. And Iowa wasn't able to move the ball against them last week either. So, Illinois' defense is the best unit on the field. Minnesota's defense is very good. Neither one of these offenses is really proven to be great. I just think this is going to be a very similar game to what we saw between the Illini and the Hawkeyes. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be close. And it's probably not going to be exciting. But it will be good for any underbetters. There you go. And I tell you what, my man Show, you have this as an official play as well. Go ahead, buddy. We got Yeah, I, I love this play. Everything that Tom said. And – since Brett Bielema has been at Illinois, they've played in six home Big Ten games. The under has gone, and the under has hit in five of those, and the under has hit by a ton. The under is hitting by an average of 9.3 points. Art Sitkowski, like Tom said, he's a big downgrade over against Tommy DeVito. Sitkowski in his career, he averages six and a half air yards per attempt. That's not good. He averages four and a half yards an attempt. DeVito, on the other hand, isn't great, but he still averages seven. So comparative-wise, if you factor in that in our database, we have the under at around the total at around 35 points. If DeVito plays, we have it at 42. So we like the under, especially if Sikowski plays. There we go. And you know what? Just go ahead and make it a trifecta because my man Chip Patterson is also on this play. And the best part is none of these picks are discussed beforehand in regards to the four you see in front of you. So you all three independently like this under chip. Break it down. We got blind bet, big 10 West unders all day. 
I just, I stepped, no, no, I mean, listen, everything they said is right. But I do want to do a point of order here. Uh, we, Tom and I like to joke about something called CLV. It's called chip line value. When I make a pick and the number moves the other direction and I just stick with my pick because I'm so damn committed to my process and my grind. But Mississippi State's down to four. Uh, can I get those points on the official record? <laughs> you lock that in at Mississippi State minus four. I mean, it's a key number. So I just I feel like I, I will not go with the chip line value six and a half on that one. But yeah, everything they've said about this one, this one's under all day. Yeah. So okay, first off, um, yeah, Mississippi State is sitting minus four right now. Yeah. Then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll drop that six and a half to four. Absolutely. It- that's what it is. Hey, listen, this is an important time. Getting in on Kansas uh, at 67 and a half was much more significant than getting in at 69, which was a push oh, yeah, yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah. And, dude, two and a half points. Hell yeah. That's important, man. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, don't worry. I'll have that edited. You are good to go. All right. For Nelly, coming back at you and understand our man, Micah Roberts, went big game hunting this weekend. So his official plays are all on our yeah, big but, games. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm going to take the under on that game, too. I mean, I got three yeah. for three. I got to jump on the party train. <laughs> there we go. All right, Micah is officially in. I'll edit that and have you good to go. I didn't want anybody thinking that we're just ignoring Micah over here. No. But my man, dude, my man is taking that deep sea ocean trip and bringing back trophies. All right. Cornelli, coming back to you. Kent State at Toledo this weekend. You're taking Kent State plus eight and a half. Bring it up. Yeah, this is a this is a really exciting game to me because Toledo is the best team in the MAC. At least it has been so far, and I think Kent State is the second best team in the MAC. But I think that the Flashes are being slightly undervalued on the market because a they struggled last week against Miami of Ohio. They did not look good, but it was kind of like a let down beat up and bruised kind of performance because Kent state's non-conference schedule was Washington. It was Georgia and it was Oklahoma. Like that was three very difficult games for the flashes. And I think they kind of felt the body blows in that Miami game. But I think coming back back into this one against Toledo, a team that they're expecting to compete for a Mac conference title with, I think we're going to see the best version of the Flashes. I think that that offense is very explosive and can put up a ton of points, and it's the best offense Toledo has seen really so far this season outside of, you know, I think Toledo played Ohio State, so maybe not the Buckeyes, but you get what I'm saying. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring, close game. I don't think Toledo's going to be able to win this game by 10, so if I can get Kent State plus 8.5 for me, there's way too much value on the Flashes at that number. Way too value indeed, man. There we go. All right. Next one, Fetch Show, coming over to you. Going Oh, you're dipping into Tom Fernelli area here. Navy at SMU. Going Navy plus 13. What do you got? Yeah, this line seems way too big. SMU getting giving 13 points. They have been terrible this year. They've lost their last three games. They got blown out against UCF. Navy seems to start slow every year, but then come October, they seem to roll. They're 22-7 and seven in their last 29 conference games. They're 10-1 and one against the spread in their last 11 games against teams with losing records. They're 4-1 ATS in their last five road games, and they've dominated SMU. They're 9-3 and three in their last, last 12 games against SMU. They ran all over Tulsa last week. I think they put up 51 points. They're grooving right now. SMU's defense is a mess. They have a quarterback controversy. It looks like Preston Stone got some reps against UCF. I think 13 is way too big here. There we go. All right. All right, Chip, coming back at you, man. We had to jump one of your games here. We're going to get back in order. And this is kind of a surprising fun game here. We've got NC State plus three and a half at Syracuse. 
You want NC State plus three and a half. Yeah, among all the different units on this team, NC State's defense is the best. And so while missing Devin Leary is uh, a huge factor, a massive factor, I do think that NC State's defense is the reason why the Wolfpack were able to beat Florida State after Devin Leary goes out. And I do think that that defense is the reason why that Clemson game on the road in Death Valley was a pretty close and competitive game almost throughout. I also think that Syracuse, statistically, you know, we're talking about Garrett Schrader having a great season. We're talking about sort of the the steps forward that the Orange have taken. But a lot of that was against Wagner. A lot of that was against UConn. You know, in its last two times against some quality competition, that narrow wins against Purdue and Virginia, where they were just basically trying to hand away the game. I think that the Wolfpack are able to come in. They should have a better plan for what to do with Jack Chambers. But ultimately, I think NC State's defense is good enough to be able to win them the game. And if I think NC State can go into the Dome and win, three and a half is a very advantageous number. That it is. That it is very advantageous. And your tag team partner here, Tom Fernelli, also on a road underdog here, going with Washington State plus three and a half at Oregon State. What do you got? Yeah, I think Washington State's one of those teams that people haven't really caught on to yet. You know, we saw them beat Wisconsin and Madison earlier this year, and obviously that win has looked less impressive as the weeks have gone on. But I think this Cougars team is very good. I think defensively they've been excellent. I think on offense they're a little hit and miss, come and go. But when they hit well, they're hitting big home runs, and it's working out for them. And this is also an Oregon State team that – I don't, I don't really trust the quarterback chance, Nolan, very much. I think he's the weak point for this team. I think they're solid everywhere else except for that. But with him back there, the Beavers are really difficult for me to trust as a favorite right now against other strong Pac-12 teams. And I consider Washington State to be a strong Pac-12 team. So I like the Cougs getting points here. I think there's a very good chance that they will go into Corvallis and pick up the win, not just cover. Mm. All right. I like it. Yeah, indeed, man. Indeed. All right. Fetner, coming over to you, buddy. Uh, a different style of play. One, coming right after my heart, I love playing team totals. You've got uh, Notre Dame, who is hosting Stanford this weekend. Notre Dame team total over 34 and a half. What do you see? So Chip talked last week about David Shaw being in the hot seat, especially if they got down to Oregon State early. They were up early, and they blew it. So I still think he's completely on the hot seat. Notre Dame's strength is the run game. Stanford's run defense has been terrible. They're allowing 6.3 yards per carry against FBS teams. Audric Estime has been a beast for Notre Dame. Chris Tyree has been good. And Drew Pine specifically has been much improved over the last three games. He was very efficient last game. Stanford held Oregon State to 28 points last week. But before that, they they allowed teams to score 35-plus in seven straight games, and six of those seven teams scored 40-plus points. I think Notre Dame should coast in this game. I think they score 35-plus points. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. Coming up to you, Chip Patterson. A road favorite here. San Jose State minus 8.5 at Fresno State. You're going San Jose State minus 8.5. Bring it down. Yeah, I mean, when you have that uh, uh, offer in terms of how many times Fresno State has covered the spread, you're always worried about when the numbers have snapped back into place. But until Jake Hayner is back in the lineup, I don't think those numbers are going to snap back into place quite yet. San Jose State has a very, very good defense. Love what they've been able to do. And in, you know, 
apologies, uh, Micah, when when your running Rebels were just absolutely stuffed in a bag last week. And uh, San Jose State was even able to get loose in a way that kind of surprised me. I looked at the under at this game as well. Um, but I think that the best play is that San Jose State's going to be able to create some real distance between itself and Fresno State, a team that is still just really struggling offensively. Also, because you know I like the vibes, I think this is supposed to be like the Devonte Adams giveaway game, and that, I mean that's not that's not a good onus. I mean I I seen that man run into a wide receiver and a photographer in the same one hour span. I just I don't I don't know if that's going to bring about the good mojo for uh, the Bulldogs right here. Yeah, well I was going to say yeah, you know if it's the giveaway game, if I were uh, you know a photog, I would get the hell out of there. Well, actually, never mind. That man went to the hospital and filed a police report. He's following the I'm about to pay off my house playbook 100% correctly. I can't believe my back. Everything hurts. You know, everything's just in pain. Doctor says he needs a backyotomy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. Last one here. And then we're going to get into our big games and bring Mike into the show. Because, again, Mike, I apologize. But you know what? I love the way that you approached it this week. Chip, you know what you're going to say? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. My bad. I thought you did it. All right. Fat show. Another team total. We've got Ohio at Western Michigan. Ohio team total over 30 and a half. Break it down. Yeah, this is more of a play fading Western Michigan's defense. They've been terrible this year. They just got toasted by Eastern Michigan, who put up 45 against them. That's the same Eastern Michigan team who couldn't do anything against UMass the game before. Ohio's quarterback, Curtis Rourke, put up video game numbers last week. He didn't play a great team in Akron. But he looks really good. He's been very efficient. I think 30 and a half is a little too low. Our model has them scoring 35. And I think that honestly is a little too low because that's factoring in Ohio playing Iowa State and Penn State this season. And they only scored 10 points in both games. All right. There we go. There we go. All right. Let's get into our big six games for the week. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
And we are back. All right, our first game here, boys. We've got 19th-ranked Kansas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, a nine-point favorite, total of 62 and a half. Micah, the floor is yours, buddy, because you got an official play on this. You are rolling Kansas plus nine. Break it down, man. Yeah, I am, and it comes down to the disparity between the uh, starter and the backup, and it's far greater with Oklahoma. Coach Venable says that Dylan Gabriel's going to play. Uh, I got to take his word for that, but if he doesn't, Davis Beville has been absolutely horrendous uh, backing him up, less than 50% completion percentage. And the backup, the difference between Bevel and um, Gabriel, it's like five-and-a-half-point difference to the number. The difference between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean is only two points. And so Jason Bean's a guy last year. Remember they were getting 38 at home. They invited everybody in Lawrence to come in for free football, and they were doing so well. That was Jason Bean. He had a pretty good game there. And that has been the kind of the upstart of the program. They've gone 8-0-1 and against the spread in their last nine games. I like that. I think they got confidence, momentum, and especially when Bean, he came in last week, as Tom mentioned, and put up some pretty good numbers in a half of work. I expect that to continue here. That includes probably running for 100 yards. That probably includes almost throwing for 300 yards and and doing some things. The confidence is sagging Oklahoma Sooners. So much expectations coming into this season, and I think we were all full. They don't do anything extraordinary at all. So I think Kansas is going to roll on that momentum and do the same type of things that they've been doing with Daniels, with Jason Bean here. Nice. And, you know, for Nelly, you've got an official play of this game as well, Kansas plus nine. So back up what Micah just said and your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I'm rolling with my boys once again. Kansas has been too good for me to jump ship now. And like like Micah mentioned, there's Dylan Gabriel's probably playing. And I think that's what this line is saying. The line expects Dylan Gabriel to play. So if he does play, great. You're getting a fair line. If he doesn't play, even better. You're getting tremendous value on Kansas plus nine because like Jason Bean, like Micah was saying, is not really a drop off from Jalen Daniels. He's also experienced and has played lots of minutes for this Kansas team at the quarterback spot. And now, after throwing for 260 yards and four touchdowns on the spot last week, just coming in to replace him at halftime. He's had a week to prepare, and Andy Kotelnicki, the Kansas offensive coordinator, does an excellent job of game planning for opponents. So I don't really think we're going to see much of a drop-off from the Kansas offense. And while Dylan Gabriel's injury gets a whole lot of attention, the real problem Oklahoma has been suffering from is all the injuries on its defense. Texas put up 49 points on it without even breaking a sweat. They are not able to cover anybody. They can't stop the run. So I don't know what it is about that Oklahoma defense that makes anybody want to trust the Sooners to cover nearly 10 points against any team, let alone one with an offense as explosive as the Jayhawks. So give me Kansas plus nine. Yeah, you dude, I, I completely agree with you. Like, you know, last week, you know, going into and I didn't expect Oklahoma to win the game any of that, and even covering, whatever. But I, it was just horrible. I mean, they, they were out of the game five minutes into it. It was mm-hmm. done. I mean, they were just completely done. Now, Chip, not an official play for you, but you lean towards the over of 62.5. What do you see on that? Well, first of all, Kansas overs, principle. Not only is this <laughs> team explosive, but they're a little bit vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball. It is you know, one of the reasons why they weren't able to exactly go blow for blow. And then as Tom just laid out for you, this Oklahoma defense is not good. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that this is a spot where I'm going to be looking at the over with both these teams every single time they take the field. And um, 
yeah, give it to me. It's it's right there. Not an not an official play, uh, but certainly one that I'll be on. Yeah, for sure. And for uh, uh, Fetter, uh, same thing for you. Um, not an official play, but you lean Kansas plus nine. You know what? I'm making an official play. I love Kansas. Oh. I love, <laughs> I love Kansas at plus seven when it opened, and I'm surprised it moved to nine. I love it even more at nine. So Oklahoma has won the last 17 meetings between these two teams. This Kansas locker room is going to be fired up. You might think they'd have a letdown game after losing to TCU in a close game. They're going to be fired up because they know that this is their best opportunity to beat Oklahoma in years. Jason Bean looked good. He was solid at North Texas. Our model has Kansas losing by just six, but that assumes Dylan Gabriel is fully healthy. I really like Kansas here. Yeah, I love it, man. There we go. All right, we got that added. You are in on that one. All right, next game here. We have Clemson minus three and a half at Florida State. All right, fourth-ranked Clemson. A total of 51. Micah, throwing it back to you, man. You got Clemson minus three and a half official play. What do you see? Well, I see Florida State, they've lost their last two. And Clemson um, covered their last two against BC, against NC State. Uh, you know, manageable spreads. And we got – it's just – Cheap number here. Uh, I made the number five and a half, so I feel like I have a little bit of edge there. And the defense at Clemson has been uh, pretty impressive. Uh, number two against the run, 62 yards per game. I like that. I think they're going to stuff FSU. And because of that, I see uh, one of those low-scoring games. So I can see uh, Clemson winning like a, a 28-13 to 13 type game. Give me the under. Give me Clemson to cover. There we go. All right. Fornelli throwing it back at you, man. You've got an official play of Clemson minus three and a half as well. What do you see? I feel like somebody's like trying to punk me. Like why <laughs> only a three and a half point favorite in this game? I don't understand what's going on here. I do not think that Florida state is nearly as good as Clemson is. And I know the game is in Tallahassee, but offensively, Clemson has been much better this year. DJ Uyunglele might not be a Heisman contender. He might not be a number one pick in the NFL draft, but he's been a well above average college quarterback this season, which was not the case last year. And I don't think anybody's really caught on to that. Defensively, Micah mentioned it. Clemson's rock solid, and they're getting some key players back this week. Brian Brzee's expected to return, which is only going to mean that defense is better. And Florida State has been banged up on its defense. They've had guys going out every single play, and it's the roster's getting a bit thin. Our cover three co-host, Bud Elliott, has been banging on this for weeks. It's every other play. There's a Florida State player down and being taken out of the game, and their depth is really being tested right now. So I look at this matchup, and I just don't think the Seminoles are going to be able to hang for 60 minutes with this Clemson team. So only three and a half. Yeah, sure. I'll take it up to a touchdown. There you go. Right, look, and I'll say this. Uh, Fetcho, jump in here. Not an official play for you. You like Clemson on the money line. Break yeah. that one. And that's juiced our at minus 170. Our, yeah. Our model absolutely loves this play, especially after a move from four and a half to three and a half. Our model loved it as an A pick. So now it's an A pick in our model. I saw that Trayshawn uh, Ward was in the hospital uh, the other day. He took a picture of the hospital. I assume he's not playing. He's one of FSU's best running backs. So I'm assuming he's out. FSU's defensive line's banged up, like Tom said. They're dealing with all these injuries. FSU's biggest problem recently has been finding a way to win. They've found a way to win the first couple games this season, but the past couple of years they've lost all these close games. Clemson's a very good defense, a very good defense, very good team overall. DJ looks much improved this season. I really like Clemson here. There we go. All right, and Chip, same thing with you. Not an official play, but you like the under in this one. Yeah, what do you say? Yeah, BGD, big game Dabo. That man just wants to win by one point. 
He very much leans on game flow script. He flies with vibes. And this is one of those situations where I think on a hostile road environment, by the way, the last conference road game that Clemson is going to play. How crazy is that? October 15th. It's nothing. They can Wait, what? Say that again. Say that again. The final conference road game of Clemson's 2022 conference schedule is here on October 15th. All ACC conference games are going to be at home. The South Carolina game is going to be at home. They do go on the road to play Notre Dame in South Bend, but I think that Dabo's looking at this as like just win by one point. He's going to lean on his defense, and they're not going to put uh, their defense in a tough position. They're going to be a little conservative. Punt from plus territory. Not allow DJU to make any kind of mistakes. And listen, what Micah threw out there, 28-13, that is an under with plenty of room to spare. I see this one being low scoring, so give it to me. There we go. I love it, man. That's a great nugget, by the way, too. Well done. All right, next game here. We've got 10th-ranked Penn State at 5th-ranked Michigan. Michigan is a 7-point favorite, a total of 52. Now, we don't have any official plays on this game. However, Tom, you lean to the under. Micah, you lean to the under. Fetch show, you lean to the under. So I'll tell you what. Micah, start us off. Uh, Fernelli, jump in, Fet Show, jump in, and then Chip, we're going to get you last because you have a different look at this one. So, Micah, go ahead, bud. Yeah, I like uh, the way Sean Clifford has played. Conservative. He hasn't made the big mistake. Only two interceptions this year, nine touchdowns. The thing I have a problem with is this is kind of the same scenario that happened last year with Penn State. They started out 5-0, and ended the season 2-6. and It all fell apart. And I'm not sure that's going to happen here. And I'm not sure Michigan is going to blow out. Like, I, I, I see value a little bit with the points here. Uh, Penn State, very opportunistic, plus six turnover margin. Uh, they handle the, the run, so that's going to be something Quorum's got to deal with. He's number three rusher in the nation. 11 TDs, but defense, 82 yards allowed per game. Penn State, pretty good so far on the ground. Um, so, from that angle there, I think it's going to be one of those where they're just uh, fighting back and forth, maybe a 2017-type score. I don't know who's going to win. Maybe whoever has the ball last. But I think it'll be one of them games. So, to me, there's value taking the points and taking the under. I think it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fun uh, game to watch. Pretty excited about it. Start the morning off. Wow. Yeah. This is, like, this is a really interesting game to me because I think it's the first time we're going to get an actual idea of how good either of these teams truly are. And that's important, I think, for going forward. But for where we stand now, I just trust both these defenses a lot more than I trust either offense. I think that Michigan, the offense looked great in a the easiest non-conference slate in the history of sports. But since they've gotten into the Big Ten, they have been overly reliant on Blake Corum breaking off big runs. Like the passing game has been choppy. Everything else has been choppy. Blake Corum just once in a while, bam, 50-yard run, sets up a scoring drive, and they get points, and that's how it goes. And maybe they'll be able to do that against Penn State. I don't think it'll be as easy because I think Penn State's defense is pretty dang good. On the other side, Penn State has looked okay offensively for the most part but they haven't truly been tested by an excellent defense yet and while they won on at auburn on the road auburn stinks so i don't really put too much faith in that one and i look at this and you look at the recent history like the last eight meetings have averaged 46 points only two of them featured more than 50 so with a total sitting here at 52 give me the under there's also a big trend on big house unders Unders at the big house are 10, three and one over the last couple of years. I, this number is a little too high. I don't trust Michigan enough. I don't trust either team right now. I, I like, I lean Michigan. We have them winning by nine in the model. We have the over under right exactly where it said, like around 52. 
But looking at the history in the big house, give me the under here. Yeah, it, I think you guys are correct in the sense of this is going to be a big learning game on both teams. Like we're going to find out not that it's going to be the final thing that we learn, but we're going to understand a whole lot more on Sunday morning uh, or actually Saturday afternoon. You know, Mike, you said this is an early game. Yeah, we're going to find out a lot about them. All right, Chip. Now, looking at you, man, like you look towards Penn State plus seven. You got to agree with Mike on that. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't trust Michigan to pull away. Uh, I don't. I don't think that Michigan is going to be built in a way to handle this game, such that uh, Penn State's ever going to be totally out of it. And look, last time they played in Ann Arbor, Penn State won. These were very different teams. Right now, we got two top ten teams. Last time, I think they had a combined three wins, and they were playing on like November twenty eighth. So instead of like two teams totally lost seasons, it's two teams with Big Ten title hopes. But I still think that Penn State's got a puncher's chance to win. I think that Michigan is not going to be able to blow Penn State out entirely. So, yeah, give me all the points. There we go, man. Well said, sir. Well said by you all. All right, our next game here. Seventh-ranked USC at 20th-ranked Utah. All right, Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 65. All right, so we've got two official plays on this one, Micah and Chip. Micah, you go first. You're going USC plus three-and-a-half, and then Chip, on your play, follow him up. Yeah, Fight on for old SC. This has meaning now. This has something. I'm looking forward to, I don't know, the less winning this game, going undefeated, maybe playing UCLA undefeated. At the end, I got this uh, next three after Utah at Notre Dame, Arizona, and ASU, then UCLA. That's going to be a big one. So from a fan perspective, I think, uh, uh, yeah, that's what I'm rooting for. But when I look at it on the other side here, uh, USC is just doing everything right. And we're not talking about great competition that they've played against. Utah's been in some battles already, lost uh, twice already. And I think that's one of the edges that UCL, UC, USC has in this spot. Caleb Williams, amazing so far, only one interception. But how about this uh, plus, what a plus 14 turnover margin? These guys, this defense just attacks. They attack everything. And they're winning by that defense. And I think they're going to have a couple here against Utah um, lost last week to UCLA. I think they're on a little down cycle here. And uh, Cameron Rising been good this season. Uh, but, yeah, I think US, USC is the play here. I think they fight on. I think they get the win. And I think they go. Uh, what would that make them? 10-0 and 0 when they play UCLA? I'm ready for that. Let's do it. And so, I get points. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was pretty alarmed that Utah's defense didn't have a better performance against UCLA. Kind of thought that they would. And you start to go up and down the depth chart. You start to look at how they performed in that game. This, this might be a shade off the standard from what we've come to expect from Kyle Whittingham's group. Additionally, when we look on the other side of the ball, Cameron Rising in his, I think it was his first game without Keithy. Brant Keithy, the, the tight end, was his favorite target. Like it, it starts to get a little bit sketchy in the passing game. Kincaid did a pretty good job at the tight end position. And, you know, Tavion Thomas is obviously a big part of the run game. But I think that this is a game where um, the Utah defense is not able to exert its will. And some of that is not necessarily going to be Caleb Williams, who I think has been a little bit uh, below expectations. I think it's going to be because of Travis Dye, who's been absolutely stellar running the ball. So I, I like USC to be able to go in and get the win in Salt Lake City. It is not something that's crazy. Uh, USC is actually three and four in Salt Lake City as a Pac-12 foe. They've done it before, and I think they can do it again. 
Yeah, uh, you know, and it's weird, like, Micah, what you were saying in regards to, like, USC and UCLA being, like, a low-key, like, you know, game of the year because of how historic those two brands are. But you're right. Like, UCLA is playing good football, too, man. Like, it's awesome. I want it 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 bad. Yeah. I have it. A Pac-12, farewell Pac-12 game of the year. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, not an official play here for Nelly, but you lean towards the under 65. And quite frankly, that shocks me. I mean, that you would lean towards any under. But now break it down, Matt. What do you say? I would like, I kind of want to take USC plus three and a half, but there's just, I don't know, man. I got weird feelings about this one. I think it's really hard to go into Utah and beat the Utes. It's a very, very rocket for anybody. And Chip, as you mentioned it, Caleb Williams the last few weeks has had two kind of stinkers and it has nobody's really paying attention because USC's won both the games. So I worry about him on the road in that environment. I think that the USC offense could struggle in that environment. On the flip side, Utah's offense, you mentioned the injury to Keithy Chip. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Utes right now putting together explosive plays and putting together solid drives, even against this USC defense, which I don't have the most trust or faith in. So I don't think this one's going to be the shootout that this total kind of suggests that it's going to be. So give me the under if I'm taking anything. Yeah, it makes sense, man, for sure. All right, Fetcho, not an official play, but you lean USC plus three and a half. And I think that the dog does too. Yeah. So feeling good on that one. Monday, he, he loves USC plus three and a half. That's what he was barking all about. He was all over it. I think I would lock it in at three and a half. Our model has them winning by almost a touchdown here. Utah was exposed last week against UCLA. DTR did whatever he wanted against them. I do think Travis Dye is the key factor here. Like Chip said, I I, I like their offense a lot better. I would I would even take the money line. Oh, okay. There we go. That's a Farnelli special right there. A little sprinkle on it. Like the last All time right. they were ranked going into Rice Eccles, they did win USC last time they were ranked in this game. Strong nugget there. I like it. All right, two games left. Oklahoma State at TCU. TCU is a three and a half point favorite, total 68 and a half. Two official plays, Micah and Chip. Micah, you like the over in this one. Let it rip, buddy. What do you got? Yeah, how can I not? These two teams, let's see, identical 46 24 average score for Oklahoma State, 46 23 average score for TCU. There it is. It's an over. Um, but the quarterback, <laughs> that's it, right? I mean, that's, tell, that's telling you the story. Um, both quarterbacks, though, have been sensational so far, and we've talked a lot about uh, Spencer Sanders not being always the, I don't know, not turning the ball over. He hasn't this year. Only two interceptions so far, 11 touchdown passes. Uh, but OSU, I mean, my goodness, they have done so well. Just looking against the spread here, 9-0 against the spread last nine road games when facing a winning home record. And that would be applied here in the situation. OSU 10, 2, and 1 ATS, their last 13 Big 12 games. That applies here as well. Uh, Sonny Dykes has done an amazing job here with the offense. They score, they battle with everybody, and they're going to battle with the Oklahoma State. I think this one uh, is going to come down to the end. Might even go into one of those overtime games here, be it like a 48, 51, 51, 48 type score. I just see lots of scoring nonstop. Very entertaining game here uh, to go. So, and well, this doesn't really go with my – I was going to talk about how good they are in third down defense, Oklahoma State. We're just going to stick with everything else. This is an <laughs> overplay. This thing flies over. Oklahoma State 4-1 and one to the over this season. This goes over again. There we go. And you know what? Hey, we can acknowledge that there's a good third down defense. It still yeah. hit the over, but that's funny, man. All right, Chip, you've got an official play, and you agree completely with our man, Micah Roberts. You like the over as well. Bring it down. 
There are only four teams in the Big 12 that are currently allowing more than 400 yards per game against FBS opponents. Those four teams are Kansas and Oklahoma, who we have already discussed here with an overplay, and TCU and Oklahoma State. I mean, what is your favorite FBS uh, performance for this Oklahoma State defense? Was it the 546 yards that they gave up to Central Michigan? The 527 yards they gave up against Texas Tech? The 457 yards they gave up against Baylor? This is a team that, again, against FBS competition, has been outgained in three of their four wins. I think that this Cowboys defense, while they do a good job of bowing up when they need to, third down being one of them, they still give it up. TCU, the same thing as well. So, uh, yeah, let, let's go with the over the same way we're doing with Kansas and Oklahoma because these four teams, while they have all been uh, outside of Oklahoma, successful big picture, defensively has been a, it's been a weakness for all four teams. You know what? We're trusting the process on that one. That's yeah. what we're doing. All right, no uh, official plays from Fernelli or Show on this game, but you both lean Oklahoma State plus three and a half. So, Tom, break it down. Show, jump in right after him. Yeah, I don't really – I don't like anything in this game. I'll start with that. <laughs> but I'll say my, my thought process here, this is very much gut vibes based. Like, TCU in the last two weeks has played Oklahoma, beat them by 31 and last week it played Kansas and you know it was a close 38-31 win but those are two big emotional games like Oklahoma obviously was bigger at the time because we didn't realize how stinky Oklahoma was going to be afterwards and then a huge matchup game day was in town against Kansas now for the third week in a row you're playing like another top team in the conference and you're still undefeated and you still kind of have the expectations of being undefeated on your shoulder Like, I've seen it too many times. There's an emotional letdown coming for TCU at some point, and I fear it could be this weekend. Mike Gundy is incredibly good against the spread on the road. Since 2019, Oklahoma State is 13-4 and ATS on the road. So they just seem to win, and they seem to cover as well on the road. I don't love this as an official play just because TCU has been so good, but our model likes Oklahoma State. And Mike Gundy gets his players ready on the road. So that aspect, I like them there. There you go, man. There you go. All right, final game. And we don't have any official plays on it, so we don't have to spend too terribly long. But give me your thoughts here. Third-ranked Alabama, seven-and-a-half-point favorite at sixth-ranked Tennessee, total of 65. All right, so Chip, I'm going to start with you, and Tom, jump in right after him because you both lean towards the under of 65. Yeah, it shapes up like one of those games where both teams are going to be able to move the ball and then not get the touchdowns out of it. One of those fantastic games where headed to the fourth quarter, both fan bases are furious and you still don't know who's going to end up winning the game. You've had missed field goals. You've had fumbles. You've had missed opportunities. Calls aren't going your way. It feels like the type of game that has so much weight applied onto it. A generation of pain for this Tennessee fan base that maybe... Maybe everybody just gets a little bit tight. Clearly, from the X's and O's perspective, one of the things that Alabama is going to want to do is limit the number of possessions that Tennessee has. They're going to try to do that with the run game. They're going to try to do that with their approach uh, to how they get their offense on the field. But 65 for a game like this just feels way too high. Yeah, I expect Bryce Young to play for Alabama. Clearly, the the books do as well, or else they wouldn't be this big of a favorite on the road against this false team. But for me... 
it's just kind of what you were saying, Chip. I think that Alabama will not want to have the Tennessee offense on the field and limit possessions just to keep things from getting crazy. And I also think that outside of that Arkansas game, Alabama has not had explosive plays in the passing in the passing game. And Tennessee's defense, while not great, is better than what Arkansas's defense was, particularly that day. And I think on the other side, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Tennessee run the ball a lot more in this matchup because with Will Anderson and Alabama's defensive front, you don't want Hendon Hooker dropping back every single play because if you let Will Anderson just pin his ears back and go get you, he's going to get you. So I think Tennessee is going to use the run game a little bit to try to slow down that pass rush and keep things safe and calm. And I just see that this, I don't think it's going to be a low scoring game by any stretch, but if I have to lean anything here, I think it's going to be lower scoring than most expect. Yeah, I feel you on that, especially running the football. They had a lot of success against LSU doing that and it helps everything. And exactly like you said, this team is completely different with Joe Milton at quarterback as opposed to Hinden Hooker. Things change dramatically for this Tennessee team. So protecting Hooker a little bit, yeah, smart call on that one. All right, not official plays either, but Micah and Show, you both lean Tennessee plus seven and a half. Micah, start it. Show, bring us home. Yeah, you guys know I like the fairy tale story, and this would be the ultimate fairy tale story. So I am believing as much as I can in it, and I haven't bet it yet. I'm still waiting and going over it, but it's one of those that I want to have a little something on and celebrate with Tennessee when they win this game. How many people are going to jump on that field, the checkerboard? And, I mean, that place is going to be – it's it's so amazing. 0-15 against Nick Saban, this is the one they can do it. And not only do we get that, not only do we get to see Tennessee – move on and move to 6-0 and and cover 5-1 and against a spread this season. But we also get to see the birth of Hendon Hooker for Heisman candidate, like a real true. I mean, winning big beyond the stats and everything, beating Alabama, I think it's a, a campaign starter for him. Number one offense in the nation, 547 yards per game. I just – I love everything about this Tennessee game, and they almost had them last year, right? They were real close heading into the fourth quarter, and then Alabama did their uh, patented just – close the game out, shut the door, You no soup for you. And I don't see that happening here. I think the home crowd is going to be a big deal. I think that crowd is going to pump them up that, uh, yeah, I, I can see it happening. It's one of those, uh, it is a fairy tale story, but it, it can happen. It could happen. And also let's, you know, we're talking about uh, the quarterback's throwing shoulder. It's not his off shoulder. The, he's not going to be crisp and solid. I mean, if he was, he would have played last week. And one week with the shoulder, I mean, that's that's some tough stuff there. That's that's one of those things where you've got to change up your game plan a little bit, maybe not go out, maybe not throw the uh, out passes like he normally throws. I think uh, it'd be a little more conservative from Alabama, and I think it cost him. There you go. Fed show, bring us home. Yeah, I, I, I like it that it's at seven and a half, not seven. And the seven and a half makes it a lot more enticing. Knoxville is going to be very rowdy. It's going to be insane. I think there's going to be a lot of nervous energy as well, which does play into the under. So I, I lean the under as well. But give me Tennessee plus seven and a half. Uh, yeah, Neela Stadium will be going insane. Oh, insane. I can assure you on that one. And, Mikey, you're right. They would be going nuts if they won that game. A quick nugget. Tennessee hasn't beaten Alabama since the iPhone was released. Ooh. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like 2005, 2006. Like, oh, yeah, all from there. Yeah. <laughs> It is. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil. Let's take a look at the recap here. 
does look glorious. Got it all in. Tom Fernelli's on Minnesota, Illinois, under 39 and a half. Kansas plus nine. Kent State plus eight and a half. Washington State plus three and a half. And Clemson minus three and a half. Fetcho's on Minnesota, Illinois, under 39 and a half. Navy plus 13. Notre Dame team total over 34 and a half. Ohio team total over 30 and a half. Kansas plus nine. Chip Patterson is on at Mississippi State minus four. NC State plus three and a half. Minnesota, Illinois under 39 and a half. Oklahoma State, TCU over 68 and a half. USC plus three and a half. San Jose State minus eight and a half. Michael Roberts. Ooh, needed a breath there. Kansas plus nine. Clemson's minus three and a half. Oklahoma State, TCU over 68 and a half. USC plus three and a half. And Minnesota, Illinois under 39 and a half. All right, boys. As we always do, what's in the show? We're going to have to go quick. We've got 90 seconds. Give me 10 seconds each. What should we be looking for of your work this week? And obviously, thank you so much for the know how busy guys you are. So, Mike, I'll start it with you, man. What you got coming? Yeah, NASCAR story uh, probably should have been posted today on Sportsline, Las Vegas, the first race of the round of eight. There we go. Tom Fernelli. Uh, Cover three podcasts four times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern and Saturday night, usually after the primetime game ends live reaction to what we saw. And you can also read my six pack column tomorrow on CBSSports.com as well as my quarterback power rankings. Bam. Chip Patterson, to bring us out. Thursday, 11 a.m. Cover three podcast locks episode Friday, 10 a.m. here on the early edge Saturday night. Come and hang out with us after the big game ends, usually around 1130 p.m. Eastern time on the cover three podcast. There we go. All right, Jake Fetter, we will catch up with you on how the model did next week. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be live next week, and we'll be live Thursday uh, for our normal Early Edge 10 a.m. Eastern show. But until then, everybody, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.